Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This episode of Ladies Who Punt is brought to you by Inglis. Inglis has had over a century of turf champions go through their sales rings. And now with their pink bonus series, there has never been a better time for women to join in on the fun of racehorse ownership. That's right, Grace. With the bonus prize money up for grabs, the pink bonus series is a great initiative to get more women involved in racing, making Inglis a fabulous partner to Ladies Who Punt. We can't thank them enough for supporting our podcast and the representation of women in the racing media. Field is ready. They're racing in the Oaks. Hello and welcome back to Ladies Who Punt. We are the podcast that aims to decode the sport of horse racing one topic at a time. My name is Fiona Blair and with me today is my co-host Grace Ramage. Hello Grace, how are you on this beautiful spring day? Oh, the weather. It is really gelling with me. Spring is springing. It's here and I'm all about it. 29 degrees on Saturday. Oh, which is grand final day. This is a long weekend. Um, there's so much sport on, but I mean, 29 degrees on grand final day, barbecues, you know, if you've got a pool, why not jump in? It's, um, I'm all about this heat mm-hmm. so early on, Yeah. but we know that it can change, but you know, it's here and yes. I cannot wait for the weekend because we've got the grand final, but the racing is exceptional as well. It is. Um, and we're really in the heart of the spring now, you know, next Saturday is Turnbull Stakes Day, which, um, you know, for for decades, have sort of been labelled um, with the term "moving day." Yes, I remember that from last year. Yeah. You telling us that, which means you need to, if you're going to be winning the big features, you need to be pretty much hitting your peak on Turnbull Stakes Day. Right. Um, so that's a really that's a real day where you're seeing the best of the best at their best up against each other, and we're only one week away from that. So mm-hmm. um, obviously, we've got Mornington Racing in Victoria on Saturday because why would you put a Group One meeting up against the Grand Final, the AFL Grand Final? Um, but there's three Group Ones in Sydney on yeah. Saturday, so you need two screens with the barbecue <laughs> on the side um, for the Grand Final and for Randwick Racing and Mornington Racing. Um, but then we've got the Group One Friday night Moyer Stakes as well at the Valley. Cannot wait to be back at the Valley on Friday nights. It's so good. Yeah, and it's going to be a good one, isn't it? We see Imperial trees come back Rothfire and uncommon james yep. resuming so that's going to be a really interesting one and this week on the podcast we're going to be looking at all of those four races so we've got heaps to cover but before we get into that we have to talk about last week's tipping winner mm-hmm. for our tipping comp for members who was clear pollock with eight points so We've had some really tight scores. I feel like eight's still tight. Yeah. But I'm like, I feel like it's getting trickier. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be extra tricky for us Victorians this weekend because our tipping comp is going to run at Randwick. I know. But you will, um, having said that, there's still some a lot of Victorian horses up in Sydney that mm-hmm. we will have 
watch race plenty of times and be really familiar with and um at this time of year yeah it all it's all sort of intertwined anyway it's not it's not going to be too difficult i don't think in terms of like a whole new pool of horses so yeah hopefully um hopefully we can find a four pointed winner yeah gosh that's the plan (laughs) it's always the plan yeah so our tipping comp will be running from the Randwick card on Saturday. So I feel like our New South Wales listeners have got a little bit of a leg up this week, which mm-hmm. is, is good for them. Uh, they sort of have to battle with us down in Victoria every yes. other week. So it's <laughs> only fair. And then the other thing I want to talk to you about, Grace, is the big news that broke last Saturday. Giga kicks out of the Everest yeah. after that McEwen stakes run. Yep. It was um, a little bit of a bombshell, wasn't it? it because was. we obviously there's been so much talk about Giga Kick since his first up failure, when myself and a lot of other people thought he'd just go there and win. He didn't win. He was beaten by Imperatries. Then we know that there was so much scandal and controversy around the ride. Craig Williams got booted off uh, Giga Kick for what he did um, in that McEwen Stakes, but now it's come to light that actually. Um, the horse is injured and has sustained some sort of muscle soreness, I think. Yeah, a glute tear. Yeah, um, from that run or, mm. you know, in in the lead, well, not in the lead up to, but potentially in the aftermath, whatever's happened, he will be out for the spring. Yeah. So, which is massive news because he was still, I think, on song. I mean, he's good enough. He won the Everest last year. There's mm-hmm. no, it's not, we're not saying the horse wasn't going to be competitive in that race. So, yeah, uh, one of the favourites for the Everest is now not going to take his place and, there's so much more to unfold because I think there's still four slots feet that have not yet been confirmed with a runner. Yeah, and it's two weeks away, I like know. running out of time. I know. But <laughs> I suppose this weekend um, there will be obviously the Moya Stakes. Yeah. So that's a group one level. be a couple coming through there. Yeah, through the 1,000 metres for the group one, wait for age horses on Friday night at the Valley. And then there's also the Premier at Randwick on Saturday, which is the typical Everest lead up so there's still this weekend is gonna what we're gonna find out this weekend there's no Mm -hmm. doubt yeah and I just had a little look at the futures market uh on my way in uh think about it is currently at the top at four dollars with I wish I win a close second at four dollars fifty the other thing that's really interesting with two weeks left is that James McDonald doesn't have a ride at the moment Mm. because he was on nature strip who then was retired after his first run back and then on Giga Kick, who is also now out. So we've got the best jockey, you know, in Australia uh, without a ride without on the Everest. So be really interesting. I'm sure he'll get one with four slots still available. Yeah. Like anyone would want him on. Yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting to see who it is. That's just racing, isn't it? Mm. Like there's always twists and turns. And obviously that wouldn't have been what he was anticipating. But um, that's just the way it goes sometimes. So, yeah, that's a subplot for the weekend's racing is watch those big feature sprint races because there'll be plenty of news out of it around the $20 million Everest in two weeks' time. Yeah, I feel like we can probably expect some announcements on Saturday about who will be filling those slots. So that's going to be really exciting to see. Okay, Grace, well, that's enough of our news catch-up for the week. Let's get on to the racing because we've got four races to cover. We're doing all the group ones for the weekend. We're going to start with the Moya Stakes Friday night. We're we're just going to go in chronological order today. And really excited to see Imperatrice back. She's obviously the clear favourite after that run in the McEwen. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's at $1.80 at the moment. And then we have Uncommon James at $4.60 in from $6.50 as our second favorite with Asphora. Now uh, our third favorite at $7. And 
Rothfire at $7.50 close behind. Now, only an eight horse field, Grace, but this is a, this is a race that does attract, you know, not a massive field. Mm -hmm. And I think we could see some of those Everest slot runners come through this race. Yeah, definitely. This is a good race. Only eight horses. Um, you know, it's a thousand meter dash around the valley at Wait for Age, but we've got a couple of group one winners here. Uh, Imperatrice deserves to be favorite. There's no doubt. And people no doubt. have to remember that she, last preparation, she's a Kiwi mare for starters, based here for the spring. She came over to um, Australia in the autumn this year as well. She won the William Reed at the Valley. So she's two from two at the Valley, having won the McEwen Stakes first up as well. She's a five-time Group 1 winning mare. Mm. She's very, very good. Yeah. Um, and we know that Rothfire's a Group 1 winner. So this is a great race. And it's just so interesting because it's one of those ones feet where often the way that I look at um, – this race and just i suppose in general when you see a horse come out and shock everybody and go wow where did that come from that was enormous i'm i can't believe what i've seen i'm in awe of that performance i'm always a little bit wary of whether that horse can then replicate that you know yeah, if, right. if it was so far exceeding your expectations can a horse then go and replicate that exact performance that exact rating um I know that in the past, uh, a good example was a horse winning the Crystal Mile last spring, a horse called My Oberon. He came out here from um, Europe and he's put this massive, massive win in scintillating time down. And I was just like, this this is a performance that is extremely hard to replicate. Mm. And um, he was unable to go and replicate that. So it's sort of one of those things, I'm not saying that she can't do it. It's just you have to be, well, for me, I'm always a little bit hesitant about whether they can go back to back putting that sort of performance up. Um, there is no doubt that she is the main danger in this race because not only did she do it on the clock, but it was just the softest win of all time. Mm -hmm. She beat Gigi Kick, who um, may not obviously have been at his best that day. But... I'm not discounting the chances of other runners here as well. Yeah, definitely. And that's what I think it comes down to. Imperatry is at a dollar eighty. She definitely can win. No, yeah. no doubt at all. But if she does rate down a touch, if she isn't as like scintillating as what she was last start, and she's just come down a slight peg, then she's pretty much for me on the same line as some of the other horses in this race as well. Mm. So it just makes it a little bit more competitive, which means the dollar eighty for me is probably a bit too short. It is pretty short, but to sort of have an argument against against what you're putting up, her first up record is very strong, yep. as you're suggesting. Five wins from six runs and one second. But her second up record is also very strong, Grace. Mm -hmm. Four wins from five runs. So she sort of got that first two run consistency. Definitely. But I think you're right. Like, I can't justify the dollar eighty. Like, yeah. that's the problem, I think, here. Yeah, I think so. Um, interested to see what the market does with her because mm. she actually could start she could start dollar sixty, but having a look at the money that's already come for Uncommon James since markets went up on Wednesday, um, it tells me that punters are also thinking similarly, which is Yes, this horse is obviously a five-time Group 1 winner, and she's very, very good. But, hey, there are some other good horses in this as well, and Uncommon James is one of those. Uh, he's resuming, and it is one of those things, you know, for, for if we're talking about a um, an Underwood Stakes or a Turnbull Stakes, and you've got a f horse first up, yeah, sure, question marks around 
how fit they are, but when it comes to sprinters, first up, no problems. In yeah. fact, they're generally like coiled springs ready to unleash like we saw Imperatriz do when she was first up in the McEwen stakes. So Uncommon James, first up, that's fine. We know the level that he is at when he brings his best, and that level is extremely good. So um, I definitely think that he's got a really good winning chance here. Barrier 7, Damien Lane. Um, in an eight-horse field where it's a little bit tactical, he's probably one that's going to sit out the back sort of or yeah. midfield blend in and be the one that's able to sort of stalk and finish off strongly. So he gets into the race perfectly in terms of where he'll be settling in the run. Um, and I also really like Asphora. Yeah, right. I think like Uncommon James, just James, just from what you were describing about where he's, where he's jumping from and where he's going to sit or like – makes me a bit nervous at the valley like I know it's just a small field but it's a very leaderish track almost a specialist track mm. and I feel like um Rothfire is really suited to the valley like yep. he loves sitting up front he's in barrier one like everything's sort of going his way for me on Friday and he did run behind Imperatrice in the McEwen but I don't I think he was hitting the line pretty strongly yep and if he takes, you know, more benefit out of that race than Imperatrice or if Imperatrice puts in a flat one, I think he could be right up there. But I can't, like, discount your thoughts on Asphora. She's been in pretty good form uh, being one from one this prep in the Heath Group 3 three weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. And that win was in really, really good time and she did it quite comfortably. And, um, you know, she'll probably be... She's probably the one that might end up sort of facing the breeze three deep, no cover, because there's a little bit of a log jam for those, you know, it's an eight horse field for those horses that want to sit on speed. Um, but again, we know her level and she was um, third to Uncommon James in the Oakley Plate last year. So they, and wasn't beaten far at all. So the time, the, the form ties in really well between those two. And um, I just think that there's, I just think, it's not that I think that, Imperatrice is going to put in a flat one. I just think that if she is slightly less electric as what she was first up, then she's really sort of on even terms with some of the yeah, other horses right. in the race mm -hmm. because these aren't slouches. Yeah. Um, so if she improves on what she did last start, she's the winner, no problems. Yeah. And she might do that. But I'm just predicting that she will either hold or be slightly less scintillating than that performance, and that brings her right in contention with the rest of the field, mm. being Asphora and Uncommon James for me. And you can't discount the chances of Rothfire as well because we know that he absolutely loves Mooney Valley. Uh, you mentioned before, Fee, about the way the valley plays yeah and how it's generally a leader's track we've been at the valley quite a lot recently mm -hmm. we've been racing there since the start of the new season so we've had plenty of race meetings fee and stakes day and now we're about to have basically every friday night right through summer it's going to probably continue to chop and change a little bit with how the track races but it's been pretty evident um when the, the rail is in the true position at mooney valley as it is on friday night Horses are able to win sort of swooping. Right, okay. It's not – you have to be hard on the fence and you have to be leading. Mm -hmm. When the rail goes out at the valley, that's the general pattern that we see. Mm -hmm. Those rails in run runs are the ones that um, have all the horses finishing first, second, and third. But with the rail back in the true, it's a little bit more even in terms of where – what lanes you need to be in to be winning. But for me, at the valley, you always need to have a horse almost hitting the front into the straight. Right. So you can't come from last at the top of the straight. Yeah. You've um, got to be up there on the bend. You've got to be bend. building your momentum mm -hmm. and being right there at the top of the straight. And mm -hmm. the reason for that is that it's only a 180-meter straight. Mm -hmm. So it just 
if you if you're at the back and balancing up you might flash home but the chances are you're not going to get there and that's just because of the tight turning circumference so i think we're going to see this whole race meeting which is amazing we've got amelia's jewel as well like it's going to be great um if you're betting at the meeting or just watching watch the horses that are building their runs sort of three four deep close enough at the top of the straight and they can still win yeah that's a really good insight that you've provided about the rail because I didn't know that mm-hmm. and it's an important piece of information because it's very easy at the valley we hear it so much it's a leaderish track it's very easy to get drawn into those front runners yeah and then something comes out and surprises you so yeah uh, that's very good insight so who will you be with are you with Asphora for this one I'm with Asphora at the price because she's mm-hmm. still seven dollars we've seen the big money come for Uncommon James six dollars fifteen to four sixty already and Imperatrice is a dollar eighty um, I just think Asfura at $7 is a really good each way bet um, because I can't really see her missing a top three place, to be honest, and I think that she can win. So, yeah, Asfura for me. Okay, so you're with Asfura. I wasn't that keen on Uncommon James, Grace, but I feel like you've convinced me, so I might just have a win bet on Uncommon James in this one. Um, yeah, your arguments there have, have sort of swayed me around. I was a bit nervous about him resuming, but as you said, sprinters, they... They don't always need that no. first up run. I mean, look at Imperatrice and her first start. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm going to go with Uncommon James. And now Imperatrice will just win by five lengths. <laughs> of course she will. Like, of course she will. I feel like, you know, like she is the horse on paper that's going yeah. to win. And, yeah, and you're always but, at the price. You're trying to find something that can something, be there. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Anyway, we'll see how this ends. We'll see how it ends. <laughs> Right, on to the first of the Group 1s at Randwick on Saturday. Race 6, the Dali Flight Stakes, 1600 metre Group 1, three-year-old filly set weights. Uh, I am excited to see this one, Grace. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some really classy fillies taking their places here. And if we go to have a look at the market, we have number one, Tis Invincible as our favourite undefeated uh, this prep so no surprises there that she is the favorite and then we go to number two Kimochi at five dollars fifty number seven Molly Nickers coming up from Victoria at six dollars fifty for Moody and Coleman and then Tropical Squall number three seven dollars uh, at the moment I'm very excited to see Tiz Invincible curious to hear your thoughts is she going to remain unbeaten on Saturday well she's done nothing wrong mm. um and she just keeps beating the fillies, essentially, that she faces again here. And that's why this race, the first of the group ones at Randwick, is probably, for me, the most... There's not that many form lines that are meeting. It's right. basically all the same fillies that yes. are always racing each other and they're yeah. clashing again here. So it's probably um, the one where you have to be less adventurous in what you're doing. Tis Invincible, she's drawn barrier 12, but she's been able to overcome just whatever is thrown at her this whole preparation, and she won the race, racing most of these last start in the T-Row Stakes, which is the key lead-up. Now she goes out to 1,600 metres, shouldn't be a problem, so absolutely can win. Um, She seems to still be a filly on the up, and I think that she deserves to be favourite. There's no doubt about that. But the one that I'm with, and it's probably because I'm always just looking at what else there is, the, the different form line in the race is the one coming up from Melbourne, mm-hmm. Molly Nickers. Mm-hmm. But what is interesting about Molly Nickers is that Peter Moody and Catherine Coleman have got enough belief in her to go straight from a listed race at Mooney Valley to a Group 1 mile. That's yeah. 1,200 metres to 1,600 metres yeah. in the space of three weeks. 
they know that she's good enough and they're putting throwing her in the deep end. But her run last start at Mooney Valley was in that list of Atlantic Jewel Stakes over 1,200 metres. She was huge there mm-hmm. behind Charmstone. Yeah. And Charmstone last Saturday went up to Sydney and took on the boys, like the best of the best in the Golden Rose, and did not disgrace herself not at disgrace, all. She was yeah. right there. And also, yeah. side note, how good was militarised? <laughs> so um, good. <laughs> but, yes, Charmstone definitely franked that form in the Golden Rose, which is way better, way, way better than the Phillies. So mm-hmm. the Colts, uh, the three-year-old Colts are way better than the three-year-old Phillies. There's no doubt about that. Um, and so that's why I think Molly Nick is actually her form reference coming through a Melbourne 1,200-meter race compared to all these Sydney Phillies coming through the same races. I reckon she's right up there. And she's already been $9 into $7. Jamie Carr, Barry One, perfect to go Sydney way the first time. Um, and I think that she might just be better than them. She yeah, just barrier, might be. Barrier One, like, as you've just pointed out, like, good to be going Sydney the first time because she can just follow the rail. Mm-hmm. Um, but she does get, like to get a little bit back, so will we see her a bit buried at Yeah, we one? will. She'll need okay. some luck. She'll yeah. definitely need to be finding a couple of gaps mm-hmm. into the straight. But Randwick is a very fair track. It's yeah. the Flemington of Sydney. Yeah. Um, lovely open straight. They're generally fan. There's generally room um, for horses. So she's the one that I'm siding with. There's also another one that we need to pay attention to. And I've spoken about the T-Rose, the race that most of these fillies come through, which T's Invincible won. Go back and have a look at the replay and have a look at the red colours with the yellow thing on the front. I don't know what that thing is. <laughs> she had absolutely no luck. So when every other filly was sort of being urged along and being asked to produce their best, uh, Chad Schofield, who was riding her, we're just, talking about unique ambition. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I should have said the name <laughs> instead of red colours with the yellow thing. Wow. When I had to scroll through, I was like, hold on. There it is. John Sargent trains her. Uh, she just had nowhere to go. And she was uh, untouched, basically, crossing the line. So in what is a race where you can so easily go and say, yep, well, you're probably at that level and you're at that level and you're all racing each other again. She's one that we don't actually know how good she is yet. Um, Blinker's first time for her and James McDonald in the Saturday. It's a telling sign. So for him to jump on this horse, like, I feel like says a lot. So, yeah, she was definitely one that I was like could be, you know, a big improvement yep. from, from last start. Definitely. And sort of hiding away, yep. you know. Um, she is, you know, $10, like, considering we're not quite sure. Yeah, and that is I feel a like fair that's, point. Yeah, I feel like that's actually a bit shorter than I was expecting, but I think the James McDonald board certainly helps. Um, yeah, she was a, a very interesting run last start, so I'm glad you've flagged her. And you're right, Molly Nick is totally electric last start. I quite liked Kimochi. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if she can um, edge out to Invincible this time. She's... Uh, just been running so well and just not quite getting there. I'm wondering if the 1600 suits her a little better than Tis Invincible. Yeah, definitely could. She um, has, there's not been much between them, has there, this mm. whole this whole preparation. So it would not surprise to see her, you know, improve again and Tis Invincible just hold her mark. Um, but it's just, it's a, it's a messy sort of a race, I reckon. I want to, I wanted to find something um, that was a different form reference that might add a bit more spice to it. And I reckon that I have in the form of Molly Nickers, 
but Tis Invincible can certainly win again because she's done absolutely nothing wrong and she keeps raising the bar and overcoming every obstacle that's been put in front of her this whole campaign. Yeah, so no bit race for you? No, I'm backing Molly Nickers and Unique Ambition. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to go each week on Unique Ambition. Yeah. For anyone who hasn't yet heard of our new Ladies Who Punt Members Club, there is so much on offer, launched only in the past month, of course. Um, amazing benefits. My personal favorite, our brand new exciting tipping competition. Yes, Grace, the tipping comp has been so popular with a $50 cash prize every week, but there's so much more on offer for our members. Mm -hmm. You get our exclusive members newsletter each and every Friday, which has extra tips from you, which have been going very well in the last few weeks, <laughs> as well as my form indicators for the group one races. We offer ad free episodes of the podcast so you can get everything straight to your ears without the ads. And we also offer free merch to people that sign up to our members club. So you can either sign up monthly for $15 or annually for 180. Lots of fun to be had. Can't wait to have you on board. Yeah, and it's just a great chance for people to also show their support to what we're trying to achieve in Ladies Who Punt. Uh, it's our passion project, and we would love for you to come on board with our new Ladies Who Punt members club. Okay, so before we get into the last two races, we better do our listener question this week. And it's from our pal, Melanie Wade, mm -hmm. who has a question for you, Grace. Yep. What is the difference between weight for age and set weights and penalties? Now, a bit of backstory here. Mel is an owner in Matron Bullwinkle, who won last weekend at Caulfield running last to first. The plan that the trainers have set for her is for her to run again on Caulfield Guineas Day and the Ladies Day Vars, which is a group three. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is set weights and penalties. She currently has a rating of 77. So I think Mal is eager to understand how the order of entry works to see whether or not uh, her horse is going to get a spot likely, is likely to get a spot in this race. Okay, that's a really good question. Um, firstly, how exciting for Mel mm -hmm. that she's got Matron Bullwinkle, who yeah. won last start and is going to a group three. That's amazing. Awesome. How fun is that going to be? Um, okay, so to answer the question, uh, set weights and penalties races versus weight for age. Well, we know what weight for age is, what a weight for age conditions of a race is because we've spoken about it quite a bit. It's when horses are weighted as per their age and there's no reference or um you know they're not subject to the weight coming from their handicap rating so you can have winks who's a million time group one winner um <laughs> racing consistently carrying the same weight which is 57 and a half or 58 and it's obviously always dictated by the horse's weight so weight for age that uh, category of race is designed for horses at the top level and they can never be penalized for how successful they are they're always going to be able to compete in that in that category of race because if you put winks in a Caulfield Cup, for example, her handicap rating is just would be so far superior to anything else that she'd end up carrying way too much weight, be weighted out of the contest. Um, it just wouldn't work. So um, that's what weight for age is. And you can have a horse that's lowly rated. You can have a horse that's low rated race in weight for age. There's no nothing to say that you can't do that, but it's just you're going to be taking on the best of the best in terms of the opposition because that's what 
they're going to run in. Yeah. So and you can have a progressive horse run in a weight for age race. Like we saw Globe, for example, running the fee and stakes up against like group one winner Tuvalu. Um, so you can do it. It's just, you're going to be taking on the best opposition. Set weights and penalties is different. We've spoken a lot about handicaps and that's purely based on the horse's rating. Um, Caulfield Cup, Melbourne Cup, they're all handicap races. So the whole goal of a handicap big contest is that you can get into the race but on a light enough weight based on your rating to be able to win it. Mm -hmm. um, set weights and penalties is totally different again. We know set weights is racing in three-year-old company. The Caulfield Guineas in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to see all the three-year-old Colts and Phillies race set weights per their sex. So all the Colts will carry 56.5, all the Phillies will carry 54.5 set weights. When you add in the penalties, um, it changes for different races, but the general meaning of it is if your horse let's say for the past 12 months has won a group three you carry a penalty if your horse has won a group two over the past two months you carry a penalty a good example of this is one that springs to mind in the lead up to the Caulfield Guineas in all the races that we've seen Little Bros run in who was the Blue Diamond winner back in February uh, he won a group one there. He's now going through towards the Caulfield Guineas, but all the lead-ups are set weights and penalties. So he keeps having to carry more weight than anything else because he's got that penalty for winning a group one and everything else hasn't got any penalty. Once he gets to the Caulfield Guineas, he drops back in weight, everything comes up to medium, and that's set weights. Mm -hmm. So the penalty part of the set weights and penalties is determined on whether your horse has had good stake success in the last 12 months. Yeah, so I think from our episode on this, last year which um you can go back and listen to it's a really good one i think i remember you saying that it's based on like the quality of races you're winning but mm -hmm. also sometimes how much prize money you've won so if you've yep. won a, a race that has a lot of prize money attached to it you can also um have a penalty so matron bullwinkle uh probably won't be having a penalty she'll just be carrying the set weights and in terms of the order of entry that depends on who's nominated for the race doesn't it grace because definitely it'll be the highest ratings yep. going in first and then if there's enough space in the field for matron bullwinkle at 77 she'll she'll gain a spot exactly so there's a chance that she might not but given that it is a mayor's race the ladies day vase and there's pretty much a mayor's race every saturday or every weekend there's heaps of options we don't it's not like there's a massive crush that right. every horse eligible wants to run in that one race so i probably think that um she would get in and given that she won't have a penalty she should get in on the minimum or with a lightweight and we will see other horses amelia's jewel for example if she she's running in the stock stakes on friday night if she decided that she wanted to go to the ladies day vase instead well we know that she's got plenty of stakes wins and a group one win to her name so she'd be carrying the top penalty yeah she'd be the top weight in the race and everything else would be getting weight off her mm -hmm. as they deserve to because she's got the wins on the board yeah so that's how it works thank you so much for explaining that and hopefully mal that that helps you um understanding the very exciting path of your horse matron bullwinkle yeah good luck how exciting <laughs> can't wait Okay, so next race, back to our form. We are going to stay in Randwick, race eight, the Epsom Handicap Grace. So 1,600 metre 
uh, handicap. Mm -hmm. So as we were just describing, horses are carrying their weight based on their rating. Uh, The one that we would have covered earlier in the year was the Doncaster handicap. This Mm -hmm. is sort of Sydney's spring version of that. And we see the very good horses carrying a lot of weight and the up-and-comers on a really low weight. Let's look at the market. We've got the inevitable at a $6.50 favorite, which tells us, Grace, that the field is wide open. Mm-hmm. $6.50 favorite that is a big price. Yeah. Uh, and then we hop down to number 11, Nugget, at $8.50. Then number 10, Kovalicha, at $9. So... Uh, no one's quite sure what is going on here. I understand why the inevitable is the favorite from his last run. He had a huge run in the Theo Marks three weeks ago, running second to Golden Mile. Um, and I'm pretty sure he's going to take some nice improvement out of that just based on where he is in his prep. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this market, Grace? Yeah, wide open, absolute lottery race. It's going to be a great contest because unlike the flight stakes where we had... Um, one main race where all the fillies ran in and now they're all going to the next race there's just plenty of different form references here you've got horses coming from everywhere um horses in a in a big field that have got to contend with wide barriers and mm. it's just going to be a really really interesting race of of all the races at Randwick, this is one i'm most excited about um and there's yet yeah, prospects to be trying to find some value which is what we love doing um <laughs> The Inevitable's run last night was huge, so he definitely deserves to be right there at the top of betting. And it's not like this Tasmanian horse just came out of nowhere. Like he's in the last couple of preparations, while he's been around for what feels like forever, I feel like he's almost in career best form at the moment. He's running the All Star Mile last autumn was huge. He ran from way back in the field to finish third, beaten only a length. So he's going really well. So it'd be no surprise to see the inevitable winning this race. But let's talk about some of the other key contenders, in my opinion. <laughs> and firstly, we're going to start with the speed map for this race because massive fields. Yeah, we need to be able to work out um, where we're going, where how, we're... how it's sitting up. Exactly, it's super important for a race like this to not like it's still important in a Moya Stakes when there's eight horses, but you sort of know that most horses are going to get their chance in an eight horse field. Not so much when you're in a 20 horse field at handicap level under handicap conditions at Randwick on a Saturday. So I think that the speed is just going to be even. It's not going to be too slow. It's not going to be too fast. The horses that I think that are going to push forward, going global, converge, golden mile from barrier 21. Wow. I don't know. I mean, they either go back or they go forward. I think they go forward. Same boat for Nugget, barrier 19. Um, this is a group one, like you're not going to want to go back and then, you know, concede so much ground. I think they sort of roll the dice and see if they can go forward. Redina, um, barrier two, he'll just sit there and should find a perfect spot as will Williamsburg from barrier three. So there's no horses like Converge will go forward and might um, bowl along a little bit, but I don't think they're going to go mad mm-hmm. up front. Um, they're going to sort of get their positions, be comfortable and then finish off strongly. So we're going to see like a real... 600 meter last 600 meter sectional um quite strong not tiring but actually quickening so for me it actually comes down to who gets the best run in this race i don't want anything that's going to be at the back if they're not going to go too hard up front yeah might be too hard for those with way too much ground to make up to be able to sprint quicker than those good group 
group one handicap horses on speed. Mm-hmm. So to put it in perspective, the two that I am signing with in this race, the first one is Redina because okay. he drops to 50 kilograms, this yep. four-year-old gelding by Reduce Choice from the Chris Waller stable. He's very progressive. Mm-hmm. He's only had 13 starts. He's won five of them and on another four occasions finished top three. And he's only had the one run back this preparation, and that was sitting just in behind a um, an even sort of a speed, and he won that Bill Ritchie handicap, beating a few rivals here. I just feel like he's the one in this race that's ready to progress to the to the best that he's ever been before. 50, kilogra- 50 kilograms, great. Barrier two, absolutely perfect, because he likes to be just behind the speed and you'll spend no petrol getting there. Um, so for me, he is a really good winning chance and you're getting a good price to find out as well. So he's wow, probably yeah. the one that I want to be with mainly in the Epsom handicap. The other one, Pounding, coming up from okay. coming up from Melbourne. Um, so I'm really on the Peter Moody and Catherine Coleman bandwagon this Saturday <laughs> at Randwick. But this is a horse that's coming out of weight for age races. Yeah. Back to handicap conditions. Yeah. And he drops in weight as Five a result. kilos. Five kilos. So that's the perfect example of what we were saying before. He was racing under under weight for age conditions when his rating didn't really say he was a weight for age horse, but it, they were the right races and he raced well. But now he gets back into his right grade. He drops in weight. And third up, I mean, his run in the Fiend Stakes last up was great. His ratings are good. He's going well. Um, I feel like this has always been a set play for this horse. Jamie Carr rides barrier 13 a little bit sticky. Um, have to just blend in midfield, not get too far back. But I think he's one that definitely stands out as got a great winning chance as well. Yeah, uh, he was definitely on my list, the fastest last 200 in the Fian over a mile. And, you know, he's seen the trip, so he'll be nice and fit. Mm-hmm. Um, I quite like hope in your heart. Yeah. So Grace... Great first up run over 1,400 in the group two. Um, has had a tick over jump out in between to keep fitness up. And I also like the barrier, barrier 10. It's mm-hmm. the most successful barrier for this race yep. from my form indicators. Um, so that was a tick for me as well. I think hope in your heart is going to be in the right spot. Um, not having to make up too much ground yep. from barrier 10. Yeah. And $9, I thought that was pretty good value um, for an each way bet. Yeah, I cannot talk you out of that at all. Like, you go back and look at what she did in the autumn. Um, her runs were all absolutely enormous, mainly in the Doncaster behind Mr. Brightside. Mm-hmm. She came from so far back um, to be beaten, like, just over a length. It was a massive run. So she can definitely win this. And she gets Blinkers first time. Craig mm-hmm. Williams and Saddle, she, yeah, I probably overlooked her a little bit. You're probably on the money there. She's got to be. And and that's this sort of a race you can. It's like a trifecta race first yeah. four race like yeah. there's big there's plenty of value in it so try and make it um try and do something Have fun with fun. it yeah. yeah yeah let's move on to the last race we are covering today race nine the 2400 meter group one handicap the metropolitan another handicap grace where we're going to see probably a few cups horses uh poking their heads out mm-hmm. saying hello this race uh there is a clear favorite in number 14 just fine who comes in on a very low weight he is at a dollar 75 then we have 
Mr. Waterville at $7 and then Benno at number 12 at $10 and then the betting sort of really blows out. So the market is sort of saying there's three chances in this race, would mm -hmm. you say, Grace? Yep, definitely. And you can understand why because there's a little bit of a tail to this race um, and then there's those horses that are sort of the top of betting that are genuine cups contenders. So you've got really, really good horses up against sort of this is – this is probably going to be a tough ask for them to be winning this race and they might be better suited back in class a little bit. Um, we'll talk about the favourite first just fine because he's an import who we've only seen twice here in Australia, both um, starts this preparation, and turns out he's pretty good. <laughs> turns out he's very, very good. He went around first up uh, only back on the 2nd of this month in a benchmark 94 of 1,600 metres, and he was $11 there. And he just dominated that race, easily won. Then he goes to the Kingston Town Group 3 from the front on what was a really fast tempo, mm. which technically when you're talking about imported stayers, that's probably going to be what they want. Yeah, right. Um, Australian bred horses are sort of, even stayers, are going to be probably more um, versatile when it comes to being able to sprint off slow tempos. It's just a difference in training, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. And and the way that they're bred as yeah, well. Yeah, right. Um, because obviously European and, and British stallions for staying contests are much more dour. Mm -hmm. Like they, they can be like Gold Cup winners over massive distances and that sort of thing. So this horse by See the Stars, he would have appreciated that strong tempo on speed, um, but he just did it in a canter, basically. It was mm. such a soft win and he beat some of his key rivals there. So he's gone from being $11 earlier this month in a benchmark 94 to being a dollar 75 favorite for the group one metropolitan so this has been some sort of a rise <laughs> in expectations but that's just the horse you know he's come out and showed everybody how good he is uh 50 kilos barrier two rachel king perfect yeah like, it's the absolute <laughs> ideal setup for just fine so he can definitely win but then if i'm looking at this race and saying okay you're a cups contender let's see how good you are again at your third australian start in the space of a, a handful of weeks who else is there that's a Cups contender? There's a horse right at the top there by the name of Cleveland mm. in those famous colours of Lloyd and Nick Williams and family. We know that they only really have one firm thing on their yearly <laughs> calendar, and that is to win the Melbourne Cup. Yeah, Those colours have been victorious many times. Um, and this is a horse that's going the right way, I think. We've only seen him in Australia this year. He's another import, formerly trained by Joseph O'Brien. And back in the autumn, uh, he was quite good in the Tancred Stakes, I thought. He's going to settle towards the rear from Barry 13, which is probably not great, but I think he's going to be finishing off strongly. Mm -hmm. And at $23, I think he's an each-way bet all day. His two runs this preparation have both been good. He hasn't won, but he's just been working through his gears. Every race, and you know, this is probably another stepping stone, it's all culminating in the Melbourne Cup as his grand final, but he's taking the right steps. And in the Newcastle Cup last start where he was beaten by military mission, but he settled last there around Newcastle, but he did run the fastest last 200 of the race and it was a pretty strong last 200 of that. So I think that this is going to improve again, there's no doubt, and I think he might be good enough to be top three each way bet in the Metropolitan and then we'll probably see him come down to Melbourne eyeing off the Melbourne Cup. The one that I sort of, that sort of caught my eye was number four, Major Beale mm -hmm. at $18. Uh, He's going to be my each way bet in this race. Obviously, just fine is going to be hard to beat, but yeah. very short price. So 
shopping around a little bit. Yeah. Uh, what I liked about Major Beal. One from one, track and distance. It's fourth up, super fit. Yep. Uh, might prefer a little bit of given the track, mm-hmm. but he has one on the good, so I'm not too concerned. And I really like the barrier. So it's a few ticks for that horse for me, and I think he's paying a good each way price at $18. So, yeah. Any other ones you want to flag, Grace? I think this is a race where we need to be watching it and we're going to learn a lot out of it. Okay. Because a horse like Major Beale, who's a new spring seat, a new spring four-year-old, so he's only ever really competed against um, three-year-olds yes. last preparation, but that that's exciting mm. because you're right. This is a grand final race for him fourth up. He might stamp himself as a proper open-class stayer at group one level um, and then be looking at a race like Caulfield Cup and who knows from there. So he is really interesting and there's a lot that sort of fit in that category as well. So I just think it's a race where we need to watch it um, and it will tell us a lot about what we need to know for some of the big, big spring features in a couple of weeks' time. I want to hear your thoughts on number 16, Future History, because he was a very popular pick last week in our tipping competition, but was scratched, obviously, yeah. to run here. Um, coming up from Victoria, what do you think about his chances on Saturday? Well, he's one we probably haven't seen the best of yet either. Again, he is an imported stayer, so he used to be racing in France, um, and that was last year. We've only seen him four starts here in Australia, starting back in June. So he's fit. But when I'm actually having a look at his profile of what he's done, he's won one race, run second twice. Only one of those races was on a, a proper staying gallop, you know, like they were running along. The others have been real sit and sprints where he's been asked to quicken um, off a pretty slow tempo over 2,000 metres. So if they do run along here, and they will because it's a big field and it's metropolitan, um, they'll go a good genuine clip. It might We might see the best of him. Mm-hmm. So, again, he's probably one of those horses we need to watch and see what he does. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise to see him stand up and show us that he's actually very good. We just don't know enough about him yet. Yeah. So um, this is a really interesting race for me to be watching what happens in it because it might shape some of the, the Caulfield Cup and the Melbourne Cup. Yeah, definitely. Well, Grace, we have covered so much today. Four Group 1s. What a massive weekend of racing we have ahead of us. Uh, Good luck to everybody in your tipping comp picks this week. Again, we're going to keep our picks hush-hush, not Mm -hmm. to influence you guys. So I'm really looking forward to reading who you put down. Grace, where do we go next week in Spring Carnival? Next Saturday is Turnbull Stakes Day. Of course, you can see that at the start top. It's a Group (laughs) 1... 2000 meter race um and it's for those sort of cox plate corfield cup horses the difference with the turnbull stakes as opposed to the underwood stakes and the Maccabi diva stakes is that this is run under the conditions of set weights and penalties Uh. like we discussed earlier thanks to mel's question um so what that means is that you can get a horse on the up that carries no penalty um and that's actually been a really good recipe and we'll focus on that next saturday identifying the horse that gets in with no penalty, so lightweight, but is deserving of winning the race. And who are we likely to see in the Turnbull? Well, we're likely to see a lot of the horses coming out of um, the Underwood Stakes or the Maccabi Diva Stakes, but we're also going to see two 
internationals. Ooh. Romantic Warrior from Hong Kong oh. and West Wind Blows from the UK. Nice. So that even just adds some extra spice to that race. It does. A bit of colour. Yep. And it's just an amazing race. So you've got Buck Cummings as well because that's a winner you're in the Melbourne Cup. Yep. Which there's like hardly any winner you're in the Melbourne Cup races. So it's mm-hmm. a huge intent race for Melbourne Cup horses. You've got, um, you know, plenty on for the three-year-olds as well. So can't wait to get back to Flemington next Saturday. All right, guys. Well, you enjoy this weekend's racing and we will be catching you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 